This is the John Oakley Show podcast. You know, it's interesting because uh, there are a lot of things that we have to be uh, addressing here in the country because ultimately our prosperity and uh, living standards are impacted. And uh, to that end, I wanted to bring up one of the key issues in all of this. And I don't know that the uh, leaders have necessarily drilled down on this, but uh, a former Quebec premier is central to a story that uh, crossed my desk earlier today. Jean Charest who is the uh, former Quebec Premier and partner at McCarthy Tetro, was a keynote speaker at uh, the Canadian Manufacturing Technology Show, one of the biggest such uh, here in this town. And he's joined us on the line to explain exactly how Canadians can find prosperity and increased standards of living going forward. Uh, Mr. Charest, good to have you on the Oakley Show. Good afternoon. Well, good afternoon. Pleasure to be on. Well, you know, uh, if I'm reading this correctly from what was being presented today, and you as a keynote speaker, uh, you're talking about uh, something that is central to the success and prosperity of this country, and that's a growing skills gap that we can exploit. Uh, Can you flesh that out a little more fully? Well, uh, I was speaking today at the Canadian Manufacturing Technology Show, which is at the the International Centre in Mississauga, a big event with the many thousand people who attend, but essentially uh, I talked about what I believe to be a key issue for the country, and that's how we're going to be able to train people, find people. We have uh, a shortage of labor right now in Canada for key sectors in the manufacturing sector, and I've just done a study and a consultation on the future of the aerospace industry. One of the key findings was that, you know, the average age of the worker in the aerospace industry is 54 years old. And uh, we describe it as being urgent, close to almost a crisis, and uh, and we lay out a few suggestions on how we need to address this. One of them, uh, frankly, applies to everyone in manufacturing, and that's how we should make more of an effort to retain experienced workers, what we called older workers, rather than watch them go off into retirement, when in fact they, they would stay if the conditions uh, for them to stay were the right ones. And a second one is how we need to be even more effective in immigration when we recruit people abroad to come work in the industry. We have to do it in a timely fashion because uh, a number of folks that I uh, worked with in the aerospace told me stories of how they lose them if they don't move fast enough. And then there's the whole reskilling, training, where we're doing a lot. And it's not as though governments have been sitting on their hands, not at all, but we have to do better, more aggressively, more flexible. One form of training that's very attractive for Canadians is co-op education because we identify with it. It's, you know, in our culture, this is something that's very attractive and it's a good way to train people. Uh, Classroom training, experience in the workforce, all of that, it makes a lot of sense and it would allow us to do a lot more. Again, with Jean Charest, former Quebec Premier, uh, he was a keynote speaker at the Canadian Manufacturing Technology Show in Mississauga earlier today. So we're just fleshing out some of the themes that he was uh, lighting on. So if manufacturing is shape-shifting in this economy, in this country, uh, let's just go a little more deeply into how we keep abreast of this development, and you're suggesting immigration and, I guess, marrying skills to the needs and also retaining yep. some of the workers. Uh, any other place? Because you do say that Canadian manufacturers can distinguish themselves from competitors on the labor front. So let's go f- more yep. fully into that. Well, if I, I believe whatever country gets the labor mobility part right, and that includes our ability to attract talent but also train the people we have here. 
whatever country, the country that gets that right is going to really have an advantage in terms of competition. That resource of people, talent, and skills is going to, you know, allow us to do a lot more, whether it's aerospace, automotive, or anywhere else. And Canada's very well positioned to do that. Of all the countries in the world, we're the country that does immigration best because we integrate people better than other countries do. And we're in a situation right now where whether it's Europe and the United States, they're going in the opposite direction. They're closing doors rather than opening them. Uh, They have a more hostile view uh, because of these populist governments in a lot of places towards immigration. And so uh, it creates an environment in which Canada becomes even more attractive. And what what is urgent, though, is that we ourselves have shortages. We don't have enough people. We don't have enough people who are skilled. So uh, it would be a terrible tragedy if we lost business, not because we can't uh, attract uh, the people who want to come, the business that comes here, but just because we can't do it or we can't deliver because of a lack of people to work on the uh, on these projects. Well, how do we incentivize people then uh, with the requisite skills to come here and make Canada their choice? Well, there's a matching that needs to be done, and then we have to move fairly rapidly once that matching is done. If someone, for example, in... Uh, Romania wants to come here and we identify them as someone who can work in the aerospace industry, well then the delays count. Uh, Generally we're talking about someone who's relatively young, has skills, will have other offers because we're not the only ones trying to recruit uh, these skilled people. Uh, You know, in Europe, whether you're in France or in Germany, they are, are also looking to recruit the same people. And so, uh, and that's the very hard reality of that marketplace, which has become more competitive. But let me return to more experienced workers, because I I feel we're really missing out on something in the world, but also here. We live longer. We live healthier lives. We don't live older longer, uh, you know, in the concept. We live younger lives a a lot longer. And uh, so at 61 years old, I'm 61, and it's true that the 60 is, you know, is what 40 years old used to be. And uh, it doesn't make sense that people just stop working when they're going to live longer. They need more retirement funds to be able to sustain themselves. Plus, if they had a choice, they would stay, but maybe not five days a week, maybe not in the same conditions. And then we need to train them. There's a, this assumption that we can't train them as easily because they're a little older. That's wrong, totally wrong. And, uh, and this would be an intelligent way for us to, uh, to create a, a working environment that's going to be a lot more stimulating for everyone. Yeah, and stabilizing too, I guess. You know, the other thing I wanted to just ask you about, because when you talked about uh, we've got a global competition for skilled labor, and if we've got uh, our ducks in a row, we would tend to attract that and have a competitive advantage. One of the things that we get accused of in that regard is of brain draining some of these other countries taking their best and brightest. We do, uh, and that's it, it does happen. We have to be careful not to just, you know, be in, a, in an aggressive or a predatory mode. But the truth of the matter is uh, people are going to move more than they ever have before in their lifetime, more than they ever have. The, what, what we're experiencing now is really unprecedented. And uh, if you're a researcher, chances are that you're, gonna, you're not going to spend your whole life in the same laboratory. Chances are you'll be moving around. In my own family, my eldest daughter 
lives in Hong Kong, and she has a business there. She married a Frenchman. He's from France. Their first child, our granddaughter, is born in New York. She's American. So so she's Canadian. He's French. She's American. The grandchild's American. They had a a boy in Hong Kong. We don't know what he is. So, you know, it's it's this. And I'm sure a lot of people listening to us could think that their families are in the same position. The point here is we're going to live in a, new, a world where people are going to move around a lot. Let's make ourselves the most attractive place to go to, to work and to and to live. And if we do that, we are going to be uh, the country that is going to stand out in the world in terms of our manufacturing capacity, research, services, you name it. This is the, This will be the place to be. Yeah, it will be an attractive proposition in a world of labor mobility. Again, with Jean Charest. Finally, I wanted to ask you about something else that you addressed in your speech today. Uh, And this was, again, uh, with the uh, Canadian Manufacturing Technology Show in Mississauga. To compete successfully, you say, in the global economy, Canadian manufacturers need to build strategic intellectual property capacity. That's an interesting concept. I mean, you know, intellectual property has become a sticking point, as you know, uh, with the folks in uh, mainland China. It's become a... So uh, flush that one out a little more fully for me. What do you mean by that? Well, it's uh, this is the and you know part of the intangible economy. And Jim Basley, by the way, was also at the same conference of the the Canadian manufacturers uh, uh, technology show to talk about this. And it's this is a, a difficult issue for us in regards to China because it's such a big market represents very real opportunities. But if we want to invest in that market and be successful and get what we get a return on what we invest in. We have to find a way to protect our intellectual property. And that right now in China is a difficult thing to do. There's a lot of theft uh, of that intellectual property. And that's why the, you know, one of the reasons why the Americans are so aggressive with China. And it's an issue that a number of countries share and that we would be better and more effective at addressing if everyone were doing it together. Europe, United States and Canada, but the Trump approach isn't has not been that, and uh, and uh, frankly, uh, we would gain if we had a less uh, contentious approach with China and one that was more constructive that would allow us to negotiate with them a better protection of what we've created and and that we want to be able to export to the rest of the world as long as it's protected and not taken from us. Well, a lot of that involves uh, some big political questions, I guess. Uh, and finally, I mean, when you talk about, you know, being geared for the digital economy and certainly uh, we're pivoting away from, I guess, traditional manufacturing, or are we? Will we still need to be building things or making things? Is there still a future for that? Oh, yes. And, then, you know, there's a lot of talk of the fourth industrial revolution, whether it's uh, creating uh, things with uh, the Internet, 3D, uh, yeah, uh, there's a whole new world that's opening up, and uh, the people who are on the, uh, in that business are being asked to go faster, to innovate faster. We're going to be able to compete. Uh, I have no doubt about that. We're good at innovation. We're good at research. Uh, we're not as good as commercialization. That's where Canada is weak. I mean, moving a product, innovating it, and then moving it to market is where there are a lot of gaps. One area that in our report for the aerospace industry, which applies to manufacturing, is that we need uh, the federal government in particular should play a role in helping small and medium-sized enterprises scale up. 
And what I mean by that is invest in digitization, invest in machinery, robots, things like that, and which will make us more productive. And there's a weakness there because these businesses are putting everything they have in their business, in their hearts, to deliver product at the end of the week. They don't have enough cash flow often to be able to invest, not enough time and energy. And this is where an extra hand can make a huge difference in our ability to uh, to make these companies world-class companies. Well, I appreciate your sharing some thoughts with us this afternoon, this in the aftermath of your speaking engagement uh, to the Canadian Manufacturing Technology Show. Jean Charest, former Quebec Premier Partner at McCarthy Tetro. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio. 